Hello and welcome to Queenstown Property Chat. I'm your host, Maria Rosa, a licensed real estate agent. Every week, I'll be bringing you fresh and current insights into the Queenstown property market so you can stay informed by the best local experts. everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode in my election series. Today I spoke to Simon from the Labour Party. And don't forget, I'm always here for your real estate needs and you can contact me on 021-088-34181 or email me at maria.rosa at baileys.co.nz. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Simon. Thanks for coming on to Queenstown Property Chats today. Um, Just before we get into what you're about, um, could you please give us a quick introduction about yourself and your political party? So I'm Simon McKellum. I'm standing for the Labour Party. Uh, My deep roots are in Matara. So my great-great-grandparents arrived down there in the 1870s. My great-great-grandfather was mayor of Matara in the 1910s. So I've got deep family history with sheep farming in there. Oh, wow. uh, and then uh, I've uh, born in Christchurch but lived around the country uh, and now having come back from Norway where we were for 11 years, um, came back five years ago and uh, living in Mosgiel in Dunedin. Oh, um, cool. and But standing in Southland because of those deep family yeah, connections. Oh, sweet. And so what is your party's, um, you're here with the Labour Party, and what is your party's overall vision for the Queenstown property market? Well, the main thing is to build houses for people who live in Queenstown. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a a builder earlier who had multiple job offers but couldn't accept any until he found a flat. He had to find somewhere to live Mm -hmm. before he could accept one of the jobs. And it's kind of, well, but we need him here to build Mm -hmm. the houses to have more people here. And so finding a way to balance the property market Mm because at the moment there's a lot of speculation there are a lot of people who are buying and airbnb-ing and and um using their property just to make money rather than to be part of the community yeah and so finding that balance again and so for for labor it is very much about giving a balance between the the people who live and work in queenstown Mm -hmm. and the tourism and the investment so uh, i think we need to shift it more to be balanced to have good, safe, secure homes for people who want to live in Queenstown. And what are ways and policies that Labour is putting into place to get there? So um, we've we've brought in a lot of things to, yeah, to try and um, uh, keep the prices down. So the foreign buyers ban was a big one for mm. us, is that it took out a bunch of the heat out of the market, which is you can see when the, the property market spiked uh, in 2020 and has come down a long way. Yeah. That spike um, and the the drop has been our policies kicking in. Because one of the big challenges with building houses is you can't bring in a policy and have it have an immediate effect. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it takes time. From Mm -hmm. the time you want to build a house to unlocking your front door can be multiple years of finding somewhere, (laughs) finding a builder, getting the plans, Mm -hmm. all of those processes take a long time. So it's not like a decision now will have an immediate effect. So it's these long-term effects. 
And so uh, building more houses, building you know, 30, over 13,000 affordable homes around the country, um, actually, you know, trying to support renters by doing the the um, letting, uh, banning the letting fees and those sorts of, of healthy home standards yeah. to try and improve the quality of our homes. Yeah. Um, so for, for us, uh, building building more houses, addressing the supply side, mm-hmm. as well as making sure that the the types of houses that are being built um, are affordable and, yeah. and achievable for people. So when you talk about building more houses, um, I believe it was in 2017, Jacinda pledged to build 100,000 homes by 2028. Um, obviously, you've only done 13,000, which is still um, a lot of houses, and it's the most that any party's done since the 1950s. But how can your voters and people listening to this have confidence that you will, you will hit those numbers that you're projecting to get to by 2027? Well, those numbers were a comment about the number of houses that were needed. Right. right? Okay. And we still need all of those houses. Yeah. Right? As we're mm-hmm. still seeing this, this, this um, challenge of getting people into homes. Yeah. What we hadn't factored in was the, the lack of, of tradies and builders and right. people to actually make those houses. Yeah. Uh, and so what you've seen over the last six years is the um, massive investment into apprenticeships and into trades and bringing people through the system so that now we actually have a workforce who could build those 100,000 yeah. houses and we just didn't have the people to do it before. Right. Okay. So that's um, so that's kind of a, oh, we need to build the infrastructure and we need to build the the capability to then build those houses. Yeah. They're still needed. Yeah. Right? So that, that target still is there because it needs to be there. Yeah. Um, it's just that we need to to have people to do it. Okay. And so there's many young people and they're trying to get onto the property ladder, but what will you do directly to help those first home buyers? Well, um, the the foreign buyers ban was directly to, to, to try help and help them. Yeah, of course. Uh, and also uh, working with banks around the um, equity um, ratios uh, to say, well, how how much do you need, um, what percentage do you need to have saved? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also looking at, at taking away, um, putting on some of the, the taxes to take mm-hmm. out some of the investors out of the property because yeah. when you have tax deductibility on interest, mm-hmm. If you're in your own home, you don't get tax deductibility yeah. on your interest, but you're competing with someone who, who, well, you were competing with someone who did have tax deductibility mm-hmm. because they were running it as an investment. Yes. And so by, um, remo- by removing that loophole and taxing those people on, on those the interests, it meant that first-time buyers didn't have to compete yeah. with those investors who were using capital across multiple properties. Yeah to take out loans and buy more houses. And just in relation to that then, I can imagine a lot of first-home buyers saying, yep, you may have taken, you know, brought in, you know, increased the bright line test. test. You know, you've taken investors out of the market, but I still can't afford to buy in Queenstown with the average house price being 1.2 to 1.3. You know, what can you say to those people that you're going to do to help them? Um, we need to build a, a far, far more houses mm. in Queenstown. Yeah, um, we also need to tackle the issue with Airbnb mm-hmm. um, and those uh, the the number of beds that exist but don't have people living in them. Uh, if you actually look at the ratio of of bedrooms to humans, 
we're still better than we were previously. We've got right, more okay. bedrooms yeah. than there are population. Mm-hmm. It's just those are unevenly distributed. Yeah. Right? There are some people who, are, who buy a five-bedroom house mm-hmm. and have one or two people living in it Yes. Um, or buy it as an investment. It's a holiday home and so it's there with bedrooms but nobody living in it. So how do you think that you could tackle the Airbnbs? Because for a lot of people that can't afford their mortgages, Airbnb is a great revenue, you know, in order to be able to meet those payments each week or each month. So how would you actually tackle that? So it's there's um, basically a, uh, we need to be quite nuanced in how we deal with it mm-hmm. and have different solutions in Queenstown to other parts of the country, yes. right? Because Queenstown is different. Its ratio of tourists and, and visitors Definitely. is very different. So I don't think we have one solution that fits the whole country. I think we do need to have different solutions down here. The renting out a room in the house you live in, fabulous to support your mortgage. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Uh, and also having having someone just there for a, a week or two and then having it empty for a week or two mm. gives you some of that family time where yes. you're not getting someone always there. Whereas renting it out, it feels like now you've given away part of your house. Yeah, definitely. And you've always got someone in the property. Yeah. So allowing people to Airbnb and have that flexibility, mm-hmm. really important. Um, my When we were in Greymouth, my, my mother acted as the overflow for the backpackers. Oh, wow. So okay. we'd have at midnight, you'd have someone knock on the yeah. door <laughs> a couple of cool. German tourists who yeah. kind of, where the backpackers were full. So I, and that was really enriching for me as a kid yeah, to have all those people. But it wasn't a permanent person in your house. Yeah. So I think the Airbnb is very important to allow that for individual rooms mm-hmm. or when it's you at the house you're living in. Yeah. But buying whole houses and then just putting them on Airbnb as an investment needs to be treated like a business proposition. Mm-hmm. So it is a business at that point. It's yeah. not your own house. You're not supporting your mortgage, the house you're living in. It is um, someone who's making a business decision. Because it's almost taking it away from the community. And it, it leaves right. it empty. So when I was uh, living in Norway, uh, Norway has a uh, vacant occupancy tax that goes to the local mm. community. And so when you um, have a rental property or you have a, a property and nobody is living in it, yeah. then the local community can tax you up to the economic value of a couple living in that property. And so if if you don't have anyone living there, they actually will charge you so that the community still has that economic yes. activity occurring. But if you put someone in, if you rent it out, then, then you don't good. pay that tax, yeah. right, because there are people living there. Do you think that's something that you could see Labour bringing in as a policy? Um, I, I, I certainly can't commit Labour to of any course. policy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it is something that, be... that we certainly has been discussed, those okay. vacant occupancy um, discussions. Uh, there are policy that we um, work from the ground up. So mm-hmm. people suggest in, in Labour Party, we, yeah. we're a ground up organisation. So our members suggest policy and then it works its way through. So there have been policies like that that have been proposed. And just talking about homeowners, what policies are there in place um, to protect homeowners um, from tenants that are destroying their houses or they want to just move back in? Or do you think that it's important that tenants' rights are a bit more protected over the homeowner? with the way things are going in Queenstown specifically? It's a balance, right? Yeah. So certainly the ability to, to move back into the house you've mm-hmm. bought um, or that your house you own is something that is protected and people still have the right to do that. Uh, and I, I know some places in Europe have very strong protections of, of renters and it's very hard to 
to move people out of a property. Yeah. Um, New Zealand had in the past things like the no cause, um, mm. uh, yeah, no yeah, cause, no cause um, removals, right? Yeah. T- t- termination notices. And we removed those 90 day mm-hmm. no cause terminations. So you had to have a reason. And one yeah. of those reasons is you're moving in. Yeah. Uh, or you can show that the tenant is damaging the property or is causing problems. So there were there are ways to keep um to people you can to protect the the um, the renters and also the property owners mm-hmm. but it very much is a balance yeah. right because we can't just say that renters are the bad people and we can just kick them out because if you create homelessness then you also end up people committing crime because once society abandons them then they have no reason to follow by society's rules. Yeah, exactly. And actually, just going back onto those tenants' rights then, so you've gotten rid of the um, no reason, I can't remember. No cause, 90-day evictions, yeah. Um, Do you see any other policies being put into place to to, um, protect tenants' rights? All of the the healthy um, healthy homes and the Mm -hmm. um, banning letting fees, all of those those actions that that Labour has already taken – and realistically, we're I mean, we're not looking to bring in new policy okay. much. It's more about keeping the policies that we have. And when you look at um, the the right wing, they're looking at cutting all of these and um, removing the protections, um, bringing the bright line test back down to two years. What's your thoughts on that? Bringing the bright line test back down. So, um, I when I was looking at buying a, a an apartment in Wellington because I. I live in Mosgiel, but I work in Wellington, so right. I, I kind of yeah. commute. Um, and so, you know, I've been I've been sleeping in Airbnbs and sleeping at yeah. backpackers and stuff. Right. So I've I've been transient while in while in Wellington before. Um, and I was noticing that there there was a kind of an odd behaviour in some of the rental properties there, where it did seem that investors were buying a rental property that was an apartment in a large building, yeah. where. You couldn't, and, and, you know, the conditions on buying it, where well, you can't go there, you can't visit it, it's, le- it's already lettered, it's yeah, permanently like lettered. A so it's, apartment. it's a managed apartment. Yeah. You're just buying the managed apartment. And their prices were jumping up and down. And it appeared that um, people were using this as a way of investing in a company, but then getting their um, share value in capital gains. So they'd buy it low from the company and the company would buy it off them high right, okay. after that the bright line test. Right. And because it was a managed apartment, they were buying it for the purpose of the apartment. Yes, of course. And, but then actually waiting long enough for the bright line test to, mm. to pass and then getting it as capital gains. Yeah. And, and that, so yeah, so watching that happen and thinking, wow, that's how people wrought the system when you don't have capital gains. Yeah. Um, and the bright line test was a way of saying, look, if you're, if you're doing that sort of thing, we want to look at it and say, wait a minute, no, we don't. We're, we don't yeah. think that that's a reasonable way of, of behaving and mm-hmm. we think there should be capital gains on income. So yeah. when you are treating it as as a financial activity. Um, for And for, for home buyers, if you are living in the house mm-hmm. and it's your own house, you can get exemptions for those bright line tests. And yeah. so it's not targeting normal Kiwi homeowners. Yeah. It's targeting those business pr- practices yeah. around rorting the tax system. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. And what are your plans for well, Labour's plans for urban development and zoning regulations? So, um, 
Labor is still committed to the, the um, medium density policies and we want to make sure... Could you explain sure. that? So the, the medium density is, is to try and unlock um, vertical growth, so mm-hmm. building um, taller buildings in the centres of, of um, cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily Auckland has a need, needs to build up rather than yeah. out. Uh, and that also means that you don't have to spend quite so much on infrastructure because as you build out... Yeah. The infrastructure costs keep getting larger and larger because you're further and further away yeah. from the core infrastructure, and so the idea is that you build up, uh, and so you yeah, and develop um, cities and towns that are sort of easier to walk around, and you don't need those cars, and you don't need to have the same level of of distant travel and distant water management. How would that work in Queenstown? Because I bet a lot of people might be listening to this going, oh, I don't want anybody building anything high in front of my house or near my house to block off those mountains. So all of that is it has to go through resource consent as well. Mm-hmm. So um, all of the the building up, yeah. you need your neighbours would need to yeah. be notified, and you still need so. to go through those um, yeah. those consents. It's more likely to affect sort of more uh, closer into the middle of town. Uh, it also allows the the council to to approve larger multi-story buildings. Yeah. Um. So even even out here where we've got the three and four-story buildings out out the window here. Yes. That more of that sort of thing in this sort of in Frankton and and Shotover and stuff. Yeah. So um, that that building up um and it it can be a um a thing that people don't like the idea of mm. of having multi-story buildings around them yeah. um, and Especially having apartments. Especially Queenstown, um, mm. you know, it's known for its natural beauty. Um, and actually another question I'll go on to from this is how do you preserve the amazing resources of Queenstown and the beauty of it while also building more houses? Well, I mean, there's, there's a combination of things. One is uh, you, you pick areas there are already housing in mm-hmm. and you build more houses tightly together yeah. so that you're not, building over the landscape. Yeah. Uh, we also need to focus on having higher value tourism rather than higher volume of tourism because if we focus on volume, then we need to have larger numbers of beds and yeah. much more infrastructure and there's just more people mm-hmm. constantly around yeah. trampling through the wilderness. And so um, actually trying to keep that balance of saying, well, how do we get higher value tourism for this part of the country because it's mm. it's hard to get in. There isn't that much space. Um, and so it's not the, oh, we've got plenty of space, we could bring in many more people. Yeah. So, no, no, you degrade the experience of everybody, yeah. including the tourists, but certainly the locals, if you just pack it with people. Yeah. So uh, I, th- I would think that we need to to look at those um, bed taxes and, and visitor levies mm-hmm. um, and actually m- make some of those... Um, costs higher for for people to come in, yeah. So it actually incentivizes yeah. them to spend Better more quality of people and a higher, yeah. yeah, with, with a higher value tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we we still want the rest of the country can have have the sort of backpacker tourism. Yeah, it's just we don't have the space here for those large numbers of backpackers to to spend time in a very limited resource. Yeah, and just before we start wrapping up. What is Labour's track record in addressing property market issues? So we've spoken about how you guys have increased the Brightline test. Mm-hmm. You also brought in the Healthy Homes, which I know has given a lot of buyers a lot of confidence when buying because they're always asking about that Healthy Home certificate. Um, but what else have you, has Labour done in the last um, years? 
to really address property market issues? Yeah, so um, helping getting um, a bunch of, of consents done here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and spending a, a large amount of money on um, infrastructure, particularly public transport infrastructure, mm-hmm. so that you can actually have the the resources to build more houses. Yes. So, and there's, I think that that infrastructure investment, the I I know that people don't like the the affordable water reforms, yeah. but actually taking a long term view and saying the council shouldn't have the pressure to keep rates low mm-hmm. and still spend fifty year investments. Yeah. Right. That's a really hard decision to make because if you're only a council for three years, um, the the bomb of lack of investment isn't necessarily going to blow up during your term. No, of course. Yeah. So those, some of those regulations around the quality of the infrastructure yeah. and those long-term investments, and, and Labor has been putting a lot of, of resources into that long-term planning. It's why we've been spending so much money is because we needed to invest in infrastructure. Um, is there anything else that you want to say to our audience today before we wrap it up? Well, I'm, uh, it's, it's not particularly a housing issue, but mm. my, my expertise is in artificial intelligence mm. and AI um, is, is going to change society significantly over yeah. the next few years. And I think people need to be very flexible with the way that they think about um, society because uh, we need to pull together as a community mm-hmm. because things are about to change and, be and, change and be prepared for that change. And I think voting in this election, it's not just on the policies people have. Mm-hmm. It's about who you think will have the right values to look after society when sudden change occurs. Okay. That was great. It was great to speak to you and we'll probably catch up with you again after the elections. Hopefully. See how it all went. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. Okay. Thank you.